Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. I invite you to again listen for God's living word. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ is our peace. In his flesh he has made both into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us, abolishing the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it, so he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Inside these walls, freedom come, freedom come. Inside these walls, freedom come, freedom come. Come one and all, freedom come, freedom come. Come one and all, freedom come, freedom come. Bring your anger, pray it away, pray it away, pray it away. Bring your hatred, sing it away, sing it away, sing it away. Bring your sorrow, pray it away, pray it away, pray it away. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Freedom come, freedom come. That is one of my very favorite choral anthems. If, if I had been organized, I would have let John know before this Sunday. <laughs> Oops. It's an anthem about what it means not just to be in worship, but to be church the living, breathing body of Christ where the spirit blows and flows, confronts and comforts, inspires and conspires with all of us as we seek to be faithful and to be, as our book of order puts it, an exhibition of the kingdom of heaven for the world. 
We are nearing the end of our series on the Apostles' Creed, and today's phrase is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, just as we did when we studied the quick and the dead, let's go ahead and talk about what we mean when we say Catholic. When I used to teach new member classes, that was always one of the questions I would be asked, why do we say we believe in the Catholic Church? Assuming that meant the Roman Catholic Church, big C, with the Pope and the Vatican. But while the Roman Catholic Church is certainly an expression of Christianity, that's not what we mean when we use this word Catholic with the little c. Rather, the term in Greek means throughout the whole. As scholar Luke Timothy Johnson states, as applied in the creed to the church, it means both a universality of extent and an inclusiveness that embraces differences within a larger unity. The Catholic Church is the one that exists everywhere rather than simply in one place. So when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we are claiming that we trust that the living body of Jesus Christ is alive and well in all kinds of places and all kinds of congregations, cathedrals and church plants, large and small, and that together we all embody the Church of Jesus Christ. And yes, all the schisms and denominations and splits and fighting throughout the last 2,000 years have certainly diminished that witness of unity in Christ. But when it comes down to it, Jesus our Christ is the head of it all, the head of all of us. That's what we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It means that we trust that despite all the ways we continue to divide ourselves, in the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are all still made one, whether we like it or not. As Paul states in the passage from Ephesians, Christ is our peace. The dividing wall, the hostility between any of us has already been broken down and destroyed. This is not some optional reality one can or cannot choose. It has happened. And our call as part of that new reality, that new creation called church, is to learn how to live that way with each other so we can demonstrate that promise to the world. Here's how the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu once put it. Wall-breaching activity is why we Christians are here. The church is to be the word visible, an audio-visual aid for the world. The place where all the walls come down and all people are accepted and included and loved because they are accepted and included and loved by Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts, no votes need to be taken. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the living, breathing body of Christ in this world who is a provisional demonstration of that promise of God. Now, if you don't mind, I want to switch gears and spend some time talking with you about why I not only believe in the Holy Catholic Church, but why I believe in the promise of Fourth Church, this particular congregation, this particular audiovisual aid for the world, and why I have been so deeply grateful to be your pastor for the last nine years. And yes, I know my last sermon is May 28th. But this day, this text, this part of the creed provide me this space to tell you why I love you, to offer to you my testimony, 
to let you see what I see in you. I started the sermon by singing that choral anthem that talks about church being a place, a community in which we're all invited to be just who we are, where we're all invited to bring with us our anger, our burdens, our hatred, our victories, our joy, our sorrow, all of it in here, trusting that in God, we will not only be received, but transformed. Transformed, yes, in this act of weekly worship, but also transformed in our living out our lives together as a faith community. And over these last nine years, I have seen us try to be that for each other and for all the people who come into our midst. One of our newest members told a longtime congregation member that she's so glad to be a part of Fourth Church because it's so welcoming and warm and she can just be herself. She comes and she can exhale. That testimony tells me we do indeed do what we can to live out William Sloan Coffin's truism that as long as our hearts are one in Christ, our minds don't have to be. But let's also be honest. Over these last nine years, it's not been easy. From the run-up to the 2016 presidential election and everything that followed, including the Me Too movement, to the uprisings after the murder of George Floyd and the important creation of Black Lives Matter, to learning how to function during a global pandemic, to the rise of hate crimes against our AAPI and Jewish siblings, to living in all the beauty and brokenness in the city of Chicago, I know for a fact that sometimes we have a hard time staying community through some of these difficult moments. Some folks have felt called to leave, to seek church elsewhere. Others have felt called to join in because of our ministry. It's been this ever-evolving mixture. And add to all those moments of crisis the fact that six or so years ago, your session courageously began a commitment to becoming an anti-racist institution and to also double down on our support and active inclusion of people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Plus, guess what? Y'all, as a faith community, are way more diverse in your political, theological, socioeconomic, and ethnic identities than you might think from our reputation. You're just going to have to take my word for it. And yet Sunday after Sunday, Bible study after Bible study, bag lunch service after bag lunch service, meeting after meeting, youth group after youth group, we have continued to do all we can to practice what I say at every baptism, which is to live out the reality that the truest truth of who we are is that we are some of God's beloved ones, but not just us, that all people are God's beloved ones as well. And living out those baptismal claims has required us to learn how to create brave space and how to have difficult, courageous conversations. It's required us to learn how to listen first without immediately thinking about our response and turning it into a debate. It's required us to practice daily what Paul claims in this passage from Ephesians, that the church is essentially a place where differences are to be reconciled. And that our mission as part of the Holy Catholic Church is to embody this reconciliation in our life as church. In this letter to the church to Ephesus, as well as in so many others of his letters, Paul suggests that our entire mission as church 
is to provide an alternative way of life, one measured by the new human who is Jesus and one that grows through inclusion and reciprocity rather than exclusion and hoarding. And I testify to you that more often than not, we are doing our best to live out that mission. We are doing our best to be an alternative to all the enmity, the division, and the hostility that surrounds us and fills the air we breathe out in our national culture. And do you want to know how I know that? Well, this past week, I read the faith statements of our confirmands, some of the newest members of our church. And almost every single one of them spoke about this particular faith community called Fourth Church as being a place, a community of people, in which they have felt loved, seen, valued, challenged, and nourished. Almost every single one of them spoke of this congregation as one in which they know they can have questions and doubts and affirmations, hold a totally different point of view from others, and yet one in which they will be welcomed in all of it. They wrote how they know deep down that they will be allowed to be just who they are. If only every child, every young person had that kind of inclusive experience of church. I am telling you that demonstration of the wide embrace of God is some of what the Spirit of God is doing here through all of you as you keep practicing opening yourselves up for that kind of holy transformation and allowing it to reshape your lives and the collective life of this place. You take seriously the charge we give new members, the charge to not only take time to inhale the grace of God for yourself within the life of this community, but the charge to also exhale that same grace, that same claim of God for others who might not know it or feel it. Every time we do those things together, we are indeed embodying a demonstration of the household, the kingdom of God for the world. It is counter-cultural living. As Princeton Seminary professor Sally Brown once wrote, the church is a demonstration plot for the new humanity brought about by God's reconciling work in Jesus Christ. To be the church is to be a people who respond to God's work with joy and praise who displays something of what God intends for all humanity in its common life. The church is called to provide an alternative to the cultures of enmity at work in the world. It is to be a community that resists efforts to build up again those walls of division and enmity that Christ has already broken down. It is to be a place of hospitality to the stranger, a place of peaceable, difference. It is to put God's work and cause on display. I see that kind of holy community in you, in the staff you have called to serve alongside you, in the leadership that you elect from this congregation each year. It's one reason why I am not fearful for the future of Fourth Presbyterian Church. For while we are far from perfect, you are a people on the way, 
and you take the claims of your faith, the challenge to be a part of the Holy Catholic Church, seriously. It's amazing, really, for it does not fit within our larger cultural narrative that would much rather split us up and keep us apart. But it is who we are. It's who you are. And yes, it will remain a challenge to keep summoning the kind of courage it takes to live out this identity in a culture that prefers to nurture enmity and hostility. It will remain a challenge to live as a congregation, as a part of Christ's body, as an outpost of the Holy Catholic Church who works hard to live out unity, not uniformity, who takes the time and spends the energy to actively embody a community of peaceable difference rather than an attitude, you're for us or you're against us. And yet, dear friends, you know how to do it. I've seen it. I've lived it out amongst you. It is a part of who you are, and I trust it will continue on as you move into this next season with new pastoral leadership. So yes, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and I also believe deeply in the promise of Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago, inside whose walls the Spirit of God continues to move, to provoke, to inspire, to conspire, to fill, and to lead as this congregation moves faithfully into the future that God holds, into the freedom for all that God promises is on the way. So as I begin to move towards taking my leave, please know that I love you and that I'm so thankful for you that I have learned so much from you. You have been church for me and I have no doubt you will continue to be that for each other and for the world who so desperately needs it. To God be all glory, now and forever. Amen. you're not done with me yet. Um, I would, though, as a sign of this new time in our life, as we sing the next hymn, you're about to have to stand up again, I would invite all of you who are going to be newly elected and ordained officers to make your way down front as we sing. Thank you.